This is a Life School podcast, episode number 176. And today, we'll dive deep into part two of our talk on gospel motivation and what may be missing in your walk with God. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here again with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, Heath. Wow, that, that's one of your superpowers right there, man. You just have the golden pipes, you roll that intro in, and I always just feel warm and fuzzy with you. It's the music. It, yeah, it's all that, it's all that. <laughs> but that's like, you know, from what was it, episode, what was it, 172? Four, I think we talked yeah. about our super, superpower. I don't know how you've been working on your assessment. One of your superpowers, the golden pipes. Look at that. The golden pipes. You eat the mic like you're just all, you're all on it. You're like, ah. <laughs> should be I, that I, guy that does the movies, like in a world, yeah. you know, like do that. Makes a ton of money. Oh my man. gosh. That guy's rolling it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so last week, uh, we talked about and even actually listened to a live teaching that you gave to a group of leaders and pastors and church planners on how to use what you're calling gospel motivation to help rightly motivate people toward a life on mission and how that makes all of the difference, right? Yeah, we did. And listening back through this myself, I have to say that this is not just a message for leaders. And you kind of came to that at the end of last week. You were yeah. like a little blown away and you were like, whoa, everybody, huh? man, this is like talking to my family life and how I lead my family, right? But it's really a message about the gospel and how it changes our affections and reshapes our lives. Hmm. And I think all of our listeners are going to benefit from this. So if you missed the first part last week, go back now, just yep. stop here, um, and leave the golden-throated Heath Hollinsby behind <laughs> and the nasally-sounding Caesar, um, and listen to episode 175, and then come back, and I'll peel you like a grape here in part two. <laughs> okay, because yeah. peel you like a grape. You really do need to go back yeah, before you continue. You do, because this, this is all, it's its a sequential, anyway, yeah, yeah. beautiful, so... We pick up the talk thinking about what it looks like to be both hearers of the word, like knowing what God says, but also being a people that are doers of the word and that live obediently to his commands and his call. So let's listen in, and then we'll be back to give you a few of our own takeaways from this episode, as well as the big three for this week. Now, what you believe thirdly with your hands or with your life. Okay, that's kind of a weird way of saying it, but what you believe with your hands. Uh, what we've realized is the church, we do a pretty good job usually at filling up the head. Lots of knowledge. We're starting to wake up to like, does anybody believe any of this stuff? But usually it's not getting lived out. And, and let's go back to what Jesus said the mission was. Make disciples of mine, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. Wouldn't it be awesome? And I've heard it. I've heard it. I don't know who it was that did it. Wouldn't it be awesome if you just got up at the end, you know, uh, a Sunday, pastors, and just said, um, I'm just going to preach last week's message again because y'all ain't living it out yet. Somebody did this. They preached the same message for like 10 weeks until they saw change. <laughs> I'm not saying we should do that. But I've had to have that conversation in my own missional community. Hey, when are we going to get back to some deep teaching in our missional community? Like, what do you mean? Like, you know, really studying like we, like we used to. Like, what do you mean? Well, remember when we did that study a few months back on James or whatever? Oh, yeah. Well, see, we haven't been very faithful to live out any of that. So be honest with you, I'm not going to spend my time to prep up some more teaching that you can be disobedient to. So how about we just repent and get 
back to like being obedient to that. Faithful with a little, faithful with a lot. How about we go back to that? See, Scripture says, right, James says, be hearers and doers. So are you being obedient? Are your people being obedient to the call of discipleship? See, some people will nod their head. Oh, yeah, they'll quote it. Matthew, yeah, boy, here, as I've been sent, so I send you. Uh Uh-huh, I've heard all the, I've heard it all, pastor. Do you believe that? Yes. Yes, I do. Have you radically reoriented your life around that? Uh, Not so much. So don't really believe it with their hands, with their life. We have, an, uh, we have an online assessment we do for discipleship that measures sort of head, heart, hands in every sort of category of discipleship. And it's amazing to look at the distortion for what they know and what they'll actually, what they believe with their head, but what they believe with their hands is so different. Or sometimes it's the other way. What they believe with their hands, they're out living it like crazy, but they don't believe it in their heart. So now I know it's legalism, so I gotta go and give them some grace. What do they believe with their lives? What about this? Jesus said in Luke 14, 33. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Wow, thanks, Jesus. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. How are we doing at being obedient to that? Are we just calling people to be obedient to what Jesus has has commanded? Not our programs, not our vision, just his simple call there. Simple. And, and, we, and we teach around that. Well, what he's really saying here is any of you who you should be willing to give up all that you have. It's not our stuff. I, I, I say this to our people all the time. How many of you came into the world naked? <laughs> Everybody, unless you're some sort of freak of nature or your mom and dad were doing something I don't even want to get a visual picture of. You came in with no clothes on and no stuff. Guess how you're going to go out of this world? With no stuff. That means everything in between was given to you by God. Everything. Your family, your house, your education, all your stuff, your retirement account, your IRA. It's all God's. Do they believe that? Are they being obedient to that? Are they living out what they would all, we would all agree to this stuff. Do they believe it with their lives? We'll, we'll often say to our folks, just so you know, we see you as your elders. We see you as all full-time paid staff. Full-time, full-time missionaries. There's no, there's no divide here of like, well, these handful of people get a salary from the church. They're the missionaries and then you guys are the, no, see, if, if if you have clothes on, that's everybody, and if you have eaten in the last 24 to 48 hours, I'm guessing that's everybody unless somebody's on a, a, probably a personal decision to fast, and if you slept sheltered in any way last night, then God has kept his end of the bargain to meet your needs, which means you've been paid. How he chooses to route your paychecks is up to him. And some he routes through XYZ Community Church, and some he routes through Soma, and some he routes through The Journey, and some he routes through Boeing, and some he routes through Starbucks, and some he routes through Kmart. It doesn't really matter. Can we just trust God to route it however he pleases? But the fact that you have clothes, eat, and are sheltered means you're paid. 
This is all his stuff, folks. Are, are we leading our people to live lives of obedience? We were really convicted this year that as we were trying to be full of grace as a church, we also needed to be full of a call to obedience because the call there, again, simple, Jesus says, is make disciples teaching them to obey, not just teaching them. If what we needed in America to get this thing all flipped around and righteous was one more awesome killer sermon, we'd have been there a long time ago. Knowledge alone, Scripture talks about it, puffs up. Are we believing in our head? Are we believing in our hearts? Are we believing with our lives? Are we motivating our people with the right beliefs? And that's going to include a call to believe it with your life. For us, a short, you know, like when we're looking at leaders, boom, we go right to like how they live in. Are they in missional community? Uh, to be an elder, in so many, you have to be a missional community leader who's making disciples who make disciples. If elders aren't, who's gonna? Who's, like, who's gonna teach who, right? We look at your finances, look at your budget. Are you faithful with God's stuff? Nope, you live like it's yours. There's some growth there. We wanna call you to that. Loved and accepted regardless, but we want to still call you to this. It's not your stuff. You're living like it's your stuff. Motivate people with that. Do, they, do your people believe, this is sort of moving from head of believing in their head that making disciples is the mission. Do they believe in their heart that the only way to make a disciple is actually going to be a gospel-centered life in a community on mission. Do they believe that? So they'll give themselves to community life, not just church or ministry or mission on my own sort of terms. Here's, here's why we harp on this, okay? And I just, I feel the need again to just gospel my own heart here a little bit, but um, we love Sunday. We have rocking Sundays, Okay. But two hours is two hours, and 622 we need to make disciples as well. And so that's why you hear us get really passionate about that in Soma. That's why I'm harping this today. But gospel community on mission is what we're, we're sent to do. See, here's the thing. If it's not gospel-centered and you're just hanging out, it's not church, okay? It's not Jesus' mission. It has nothing to do with God. It's just, it's, it's a dinner party or whatever. We've got some neighbors. They've thrown a dinner party in the neighborhood of one of our MCs. This lady has had a Monday night dinner for like 20 years in the neighborhood. It's legendary in Tacoma. People die to get on the list because they want community like that. There's no gospel. In fact, I think they're atheists. That's not, that's not missional community life. Though they probably serve better food than a lot of Christians do at their missional community meetings and small group meetings. It's got to be gospel-centered. It has to be community. Here's why. You can't make a disciple one-on-one. It might be part of how God leads you to disciple somebody. Just like with your kids, I don't always have all three kids in tow. The other day I had a conversation with just one of my daughters and I was gospel in her heart in a certain area. It's part of her discipleship. But see, if, if you hang out, and I was sharing this with some brothers last night, if you're hanging out with somebody who's now starting to walk in the ways of Jesus and you are their primary disciple, in other words, you do one-to-one discipleship for the next, say, three years, who will they most begin to resemble spiritually in three years? You, Caesar. But the mission's not make disciples of Caesar, it's make disciples of Christ. And Christ said, well, you don't really look that much like me, except when you play your role as a part of a body. 
And so you have to make disciples in a community because they need the foot rubbing on them and the lips and the ear and the knee and the calf and you know what I mean? They need a whole body of different people types rubbing on them for them to be fully formed and become like Christ. Otherwise, they'll just become like you, which might be better than they were, but that's still not the mission. And then it needs to be out on mission because until people are out there regularly amongst sad, stinky, grumpy, hard to get along with people and those outside the church, until that occurs, their gospel need doesn't emerge that much for you to be able to apply the gospel to it. See, sitting in a class or like even like this today, not a lot of discipleship happening here. Not a lot of gospel need emerging. Hey, the temperature's about right for most of us. Fairly comfortable seats. The snacks seem to refill themselves back there magically. We've got indoor plumbing. We're going to go eat something here in a little bit. See, right now, if, if we're teaching on the you know, works of the Holy Spirit in your life, oh, I'm the most sensitive to the Spirit guy in the whole world. But go home, see? Go home and... Someone's borrowed the truck again, and it's banged up, and it's out of gas again. How's my heart? Do I love people more than the truck? And my daughter said she'd do the dishes that were all totally left over from last night because everybody's coming over today, and she's gone, and she didn't. And I'm freaking out about it. And my neighbor, who's a freak, I don't know what his deal is, he has flung dog poo from his yard into our yard with a shovel again. We don't even own a dog. I don't know what his deal is. How you, how's your gospel sensitive? How's your Holy Spirit sensitivity now? See, unless you live in, on mission, your crap doesn't emerge. So the gospel can be applied. And so we sit in these perfect environments calling it discipleship, but there's no need. Get out on mission amongst people that don't agree with you, don't like you, don't want to hear what you have to say, aren't even that thankful that you're serving them. And all your muck will come up and you get to bring the gospel to bear on each other from all these different perspectives in the body. So you really can't make disciples outside of gospel communities living on mission. Do people believe that? And then are, do they believe it with their lives? In other words, are they giving themselves? See, when I, when I see people who don't want to live in community, I wonder, do they not want to be discipled? Or do they just not know? Have they not been motivated to understand that? And I know for, I've had conversations with lots of churches. Well, we've got this way of doing things, but we'd like to be having missional community, but our people won't make the shift. You've got to motivate them. They need to know the power and the purpose. They're going to have to believe it in their heart that this is best for them, and they're going to, and they're going to, they're going to have to start to be obedient to that call in their life. Or you're going to have to wonder if they're really in Christ. It's, it's, it's a fair question. The last thing we motivate with and you're going to look at is what gives you the power? What gives you the power to live this out? So we had what you love, what you believe in your head, your heart, and your hands. What gives you the power to stay motivated and on mission? And probably you've guessed it already. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. It's got to be the Holy Spirit living in us. Christ didn't die just so we could avoid hell. Christ died so that when we were forgiven of our sins and washed clean, he could put his spirit in us and dwell in us 
and empower us. That was the point of the cross. That is where we get our power. Paul says it's the power that raised Christ from the dead. I was saying that earlier. That is pretty powerful. Yeah, but our budget's really tight. I don't think we could really give to that. I think the power of the gospel, the power that raised Christ from the dead is bigger than that. I'm afraid of what my neighbors will think or I don't know how to say this. Let's see. Raised Christ from the dead, helping hand. I think it's strong enough for that. Trust kids to community college versus university because I'm just not going to spend that kind of money on it. (laughs) There's too much mission to do in this city. Well, I just have to trust God for their future. Power that raised Christ from the dead, to believe that. Yes, you have it. I, I, I've, I felt like the biggest duh thing occurred this last year in my life. Um, recently, I've, we've been as a community really trying to focus on this. Like, where are we getting the power to do this? I mean, are we doing this in our own strength? Are we doing this in our own strength? How's it going? You know, and, and we've had to repent as elders, actually, of being really smart and working really hard. We're probably not that smart, but we do work pretty hard. And we've actually had to repent of that, being smart and working hard, because we realized we weren't doing things in the power of the Spirit. And we've started to call each other to accountability on that. Like seriously, like we'd be stoked about something. We're all in agreement. Man, we're going this direction as a community, as a church, as a leadership team. Let me just check your heart a second. How do you, whose power are you doing that in right now? Or whose power are you planning to go to this city or go do that work in? You know what's crazy? Scripture says that even our righteous acts done without faith, i.e. without the power of the Spirit done in our own strength, are like filthy rags. Our killer church plants done in our own strength and not in the church power of the Spirit, filthy rags before the, before the king. Whoa. All of our missional work out in the neighborhood where we worked really hard and kept a big smiley face on and everybody, we made everybody happy, but we never invited the Spirit to any of it. It was all of our plans and we read somebody else did it in a book so we thought it looked cool to do it here. We worked really hard and super tired now and we, I don't think we ever stopped and asked the Spirit for power in any of that. We did that all in our own strength and it went really well. Filthy rags. So in many cases, I've actually led my people and my family and myself to go out and stack up tampons before the king because I did it in my own strength. And so we've been starting to learn to go like, you know, at the end of the day when you're just kind of fried and you know you've got that one more meeting or end of the day and someone calls and says, I could really use a hand with X and you go like, man, I want to be missional and live like a family. So, oh, I know. I'll pray and ask the Spirit for strength. And you do, and you pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, I'm so fried right now. I'm tired. You know the day I've had, and I'm sure it was from you and your sovereign. Could I just have some strength right now? And if you throw in a dash of good attitude to go with it, I'd love to go serve them. And I found the Spirit shows up every time. Oh, like really, like boom, I'm revived. Like seriously, every time I've ever prayed that. And usually he throws in the dash of good attitude to go with it. But then, this is the duh factor. Then it dawned on me this year, like baby Christian here, toddling along. Why why go through your whole day in your own strength and then when you finally tap out, pray and ask for some Holy Spirit strength to get through that last push? Why not try this, brainiac? 
Why not start your day by going, Holy Spirit, I want to do this day in your strength and power. I think the day holds X, Y, and Z. It's yours to reorder at will. I want to do all this in your strength, none of mine. I only want to say what I hear you say. Amen. Guess what happens then? You get that strength for the whole day. (sighs) Duh. What gives us the power for mission? Are we motivating our people to work harder, try harder, put in longer hours, show up more, give more? Or are they, can they do it actually in the strength of the Spirit? Like seriously, when people say now like, well, I tell you the truth, why we don't give more is I don't want to give more to the mission. Would you be willing to do this with me? Would you talk to the Holy Spirit right now and ask the Spirit to give you the motivation and the heart to want to be more generous in light of God's generosity in your life? I'd be willing to do that. All right, let's ask the Spirit to do that. Done deal. Done. What gives you power? Is it hard work? Isn't this interesting? If you go through, I don't have the time to do it right now. If you go through and you, and you bust it out like a lot of the common scriptures that sort of outline the work of the Holy Spirit out there, what, is, what does scripture teach that the Holy Spirit does in and or for us? Like, just, just call out some stuff. What is the, for what, you know, you know of Scripture, what does the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, do either in or for us, for his people? Just call it out real loud. Convicts. Comforts. Intercedes. Instructs. Renews. Huh? Helps. Strengthens. Leads in all truth. Wait a second. Helps, reminds, convicts, teaches, leads, counsels, reveals truth. I thought that was the job of the pastor. Help, remind, convict, teach, lead, counsel. That's the Holy Spirit's work, family. Take a deep breath with me right now, would you? Pressure's off. The yoke is, in fact, easy. Hallelujah. The Spirit, the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, lives in every one of your people. This sounds like the work of the church to me. Help, remind, convict, teach, lead, counsel. It's not your work. It's his work. He might do it through you. He might do it through your people. You need to motivate them to trust the Spirit. Like, let's just stop relegating the Holy Spirit to sort of like, you know, that weird uncle who only shows up like once in a while on Thanksgiving and we don't quite know what to do and he says funny things to us. So, huh? Like, really, be a functional Trinitarian, would you? You know, like, lead your people to, to trust and listen and be empowered by the Spirit. Don't lead them to just get out on more mission and more program and more stuff. Don't make disciples in your own strength. Let the Spirit do it. That's where the power is going to come from. That's where the peace to do this and get up every day and go, I can't believe I get to. I cannot believe I was chosen for this work for this king. And I, it's not even hard. I came in naked. I'll leave naked. I get to use this stuff along the way. I'm empowered by the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's, it's good news. The Spirit's the one that changes hearts and transforms lives, not us. I mean, you think about that. Anybody who's married knows that. All they argued in the world and right reason, that doesn't get it done. If you've got teenagers, 
It's got to be the Holy Spirit, man. You believe this. Motivate yourself. Motivate others with that. The Spirit's the, primarily, the primary discipler and equipper of people. So let me just close with a couple of questions. In what ways, you can say it audibly if you want, <laughs> or you can just think it. In what ways have you been motivating your people rightly? Or not been? Let's start there. In what ways maybe have you been not motivating your people rightly when you think through that list? And, and can, you, can you begin to see how things might change in your ministry, in your church, in your world, in your cities if you were to actually use gospel motivation? You know, like really going after what they love. Making sure your people really do love Jesus and understand what they've been given. Do they, do they, do they believe and know in their head a power and a purpose of a gospel? Not a me-centered, it's about you and your happiness gospel, but that they know they've been saved for a purpose that was set aside for them before eternity? I tell you, it's a huge motivator. People are dying for significance. And when you point out the image of God in them and tell them that God has a purpose for their life from before time began, uniquely, that's a great motivator versus we've got to get this stuff stacked up. Are you motivating with should not and should? Or what would it look like to motivate with, yeah, you don't need to do that, but you need God in that way. And you're calling people to be obedient to what Scripture is taught. Or are you just okay teaching it and allowing them to keep living like they never heard it or believed it? And then the really good news of are we leading our people to be empowered by the Spirit? Like seriously. And that's going to start with us. It's going to start with us. People see us take a deep breath as leaders and start to trust in and be empowered by the Spirit and guided and take stuff off our schedule and add stuff in and whatever based on what the Spirit is calling us to do and quit doing our righteous acts without faith. Man, again, those questions at the end are so convicting. The one that stuck with me was, how have I not motivated people rightly, right? Like the gospel motivation does have the stamina and the endurance to change the world. And as you said, people are dying for significance and I mean, like, motivating them by pointing them the Imago Dei in it, like pointing that out rather than like, hey, we need chairs stacked. So just do that real quick. Or, <laughs> I know. I even crack up hearing myself say that. One. I mean, it's, but, but it's true, right? Like, yeah. you know, I, I've often said like for so many people, they've been in church 30 years and their highest hope and glory and, and even ours as leaders for them is that mm-hmm. they would they would be lead usher and ush with the best of them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like instead of like motivating with like, do you know who God is and what he's done for you and what's true of you and how he's going to change this, you and how your get family and people city. Today. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. You know, even, even the chairs do need stacking and ushering does need to occur. Yep. But can we have a gospel motivation for it? You're like, wow, this is a high calling. Yeah. It's so different brother. That's yeah, amazing, man. Well, and I'll tell you, it can, it can be, you know, and we've said before, it can be really hard to motivate people rightly. And I, and sure. I get it. And, 
And I just think, you know, that, that like you, you already pointed out the question at the end of like, how have you wrongly motivated people? I, I'm not saying that even sometimes our motivation was to motivate wrongly, yeah. but we get these well-worn grooves that are so, you know, like should, yeah. right? Should and shouldn't. We say, stop shooting all over people. I didn't mean to, but it was like, we got to get it done. You yeah. should do, you know? And so again, I want to extend that same invitation we did last week um, to uh, this webinar this training on the gospel in everyday life hmm. so that we know how to God motivate people not just for doing stuff and getting ministry done but like how does the gospel speak into and motivate everything in life hmm. and displant unbelief and truth and that's what we call gospel fluency so anyway it's a free webinar it's an hour it'll change your life it really i promise it's free um just join me so in the show notes there's a link for it and you can go and uh there's usually a a couple of times you can pick like what works for me and let's let's do it okay yeah, do it together um again so much content here easy to to want to take away everything but we try to boil it down in some tangible takeaways uh, that we call the big three and you can get the free download of that by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 176 caesar what are the big three for this week okay uh, again packed very hard to boil it down to three, but here we go. First, um, Jesus was serious about the cost of discipleship. Hmm. We talked about that. I mean, he was serious, but he was also clear about the benefits and the results of living in light of the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. Be aware of the subtle ways that disobedience, self-preference, and complacency creeps into your heart and replaces a gospel motivation with a self-motivation. Hmm. Every human was created to live their lives completely for God's glory. And every Christian has been saved and called for the purpose of making disciples. Is this the primary focus of your life? Yeah. It's got to be primary, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Second, um, Christ didn't die just so you could avoid hell. Hmm. Okay. He died so that we could be washed clean and he could put his own spirit within us, dwell in us, empower us. That's the purpose of the cross. That's why he died, that his spirit would now live in us and live his life through us. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that the spirit is the power that raised Christ from the dead. And that's pretty powerful, man. <laughs> this sheds a whole new light on uh, Proverbs 3, 5. Do not lean on your own understanding, right? Hmm. And I would add, do not lean on your old fleshly motivations, too. Yeah. Okay. It's so easy to go back to that, isn't it? Yeah, Just, right. So that's, but not the power of the Spirit. The Spirit's super clear on this. Yeah. It's super clear on the gospel. So don't lean on your own stuff. Lean on him. Okay, third, um, the power to live the life that the gospel motivates us to live must come from God himself. Mm -hmm. Okay, so more about the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the primary discipler of people and motivator of hearts. Like, think about it. You, you can't even barely talk yourself into something. You yeah. know, I can't. I can't barely, you know, get my wife, or, you know. But the Spirit does. The Spirit encourages, reminds, teaches, convicts, and guides us. And if you've been trying to change people mm -hmm. or corral people or grow a church or any type of ministry apart from faith, that the Holy Spirit will do the work, then you're just set up to fail. Yeah. And even your righteous deeds and works apart from faith is like filthy rags, right? I say it, Isaiah teaches us that. Exactly. No, no one wants that. <laughs> Even in that last third point you were just saying, I was thinking about uh, back to episode 136 when we talked about why you need to get to know the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That'd uh, be a helpful listen to if you're if you're jonesing for the next podcast Absolutely. to listen to. Absolutely. He'll clarify that, that 
that it is the motivation, uh, the gospel motivation comes from the Holy Spirit, and it's his job to, to teach and convict, and so 136 would be helpful for awesome. you. Awesome. Thanks for that reminder. Yeah, man. You can get the free download of this week's Big Three Takeaways by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 176. I'll also throw the link in there to yeah. the, so you can register and join me for that life. webinar. Hopefully yeah. you'll find a time that works. We'll do this. That'd be great. Good teaching. One hour. It's free. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you wouldn't mind going to iTunes, leaving us a review and a rating, give us a couple stars, hopefully five. Say what you like about the show. <laughs> hopefully five. Hopefully five. Uh, say what you like about the show. We'll read it on the we podcast. We have a star idol. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, maybe we do. Motivated by stars. <laughs> Join us next week when we talk about how sometimes to truly care for people, you actually need to stop caring about what other certain people think. So, yeah. A fun topic. Sure yeah, to. it can be tough to live the life of mission. Hopefully, this motivation talk the last couple of weeks is going to super help. Sometimes, you, when you get started, though, you're going to have to sort of to care for people, yeah. spoon out what other people think, and put care in what they say. Yeah, so yeah. we'll unpack that and show yeah. you how to do that yeah, next week. Thanks, man. Yeah, hope you join us for that. Thanks for being with us today. For more information, you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast. Yeah.